Season 1, Episode 6, Meal Planning Made Easy. This is the Modern Homemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camps, and you are welcome to join me as I discuss all things home, from cooking to decorating and everything in between. So pop the kettle on, let's get started. Hello, Modern Homemakers, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Modern Homemaker Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope wherever you are that the early signs of summer are starting to show as they are in Toronto. Uh, We've got 18 degrees today and 20 degrees tomorrow they're saying. Not that we can really be outside and enjoying it too much because of quarantine, uh, but certainly I'm going to be spending a lot of time out on our balcony getting all ready again for the season. We kind of packed everything, all our furniture away, put it under a piece of tarp for the winter. So it's going to be exciting getting that all out again and being able to have meals outside. Uh, I think that will really add a bit of variety to our otherwise quite monotonous quarantine days. (laughs) So I'm definitely looking forward to being able to sit outside more. I just wanted to start this episode by saying a huge thank you to everyone that has been reaching out on Instagram, uh, leaving nice reviews. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing that. It's so lovely to hear from people and to have a chat and to hear ideas. And it really feels like just six episodes in, we're building a bit of a community and that's a really nice feeling. I must give a particular shout out to a lovely lady called Lindsay who got in touch on Instagram and added another tip to what I was discussing last week, uh, how to elevate your hosting skills. Lindsay said that one thing she always does is creates a menu card uh, for whenever she's having a dinner party and will kind of print it out and make it look nice and, and put everything that she's serving on there. And Lindsay, you, what a fantastic idea. And the stupid thing is, I do that too. So I don't know why I forgot to mention that, but that is such a fantastic idea. Uh, completely agree with you. It adds a, a whole other level of sophistication uh, to a dinner party to have the menu kind of printed out in the middle of the table. And the thing I love the most that you can do with that is to really dress up the names of what, you, of what you're serving. So for example, I remember I did one at Christmas. And bear in mind on Christmas Day, it was just me and Dave. <laughs> but I still did a menu card for just the two of us because it's Christmas, you know, you've got to go all in. And I remember things like, uh, instead of just roast potatoes, I think I put something like duck fat roasted Yukon gold potatoes. (laughs) And it's, I mean, it means exactly the same thing, but it just gives it a whole other level of sophistication and specialness. So great idea, Lindsay. In the same theme, that also kind of reminded me of um, something else Camille and I didn't discuss last week, and that was place cards. I wonder what your opinion is on place cards. I don't often use them. In fact, I, I don't know that I ever have used them. I, I don't know. I just, I find I don't want to be so prescriptive in a dinner party setting with who's sitting where. I guess they could be useful if, you know, there's some drama in the group and you want to keep some people apart or something. Um, And actually, I'm sure, you know, loads of people will probably make it work really well and, you know, to mix people up and get people mingling, and you know, as the hostess to kind of, you know, choose the prime person to sit next to you. (laughs) 
But yeah, it's not something I've ever really ventured into. And in fact, Dave and I went to a dinner party uh, a few months back. I remember there were place names there. And me and Dave was, was sat apart. We were placed apart. And I guess the idea was mingling, but I was just kind of like, oh, I want to sit next to my boo. <laughs> um, but whatever. I think the takeaway from uh, last week's episode about elevating your hosting skills is that, you know, make it your own, roll with it, do what you want to do, have the confidence to execute it well, and, you know, it's going to be a great night. Now, staying on the topic of listeners getting in touch, next week's episode will be coming out on May 10th, which is, of course, Mother's Day here in North America. Now, usually I celebrate the UK Mother's Day because, of course, my mum's back in the UK. Um, However, I did forget this year. (laughs) I think I blame it on the fact that because I'm in North America, you know, I'm not seeing the reminders and, you know, I'm not seeing it on TV and in the shops uh, that UK Mother's Day is coming because UK Mother's Day is in March. So I sent my mum a text the day before UK uh, Mother's Day when I realised, like, mum, I'm so sorry. But I told her we would celebrate Canadian Mother's Day instead. So as I said, next week's episode will come out on North American Mother's Day, May 10th. So what I would absolutely love to do for next week's episode is to hear from all of you about the best homemaking wisdom that your mums have given you. And then I'm going to put that all together and share that in a podcast episode so that we can share that wonderful motherly wisdom that has been imparted to all of us. Now, of course, some of us uh, may not have had a great relationship with our mothers or may not have been fortunate enough to have mothers in our lives. So, you know, if that applies to you, please, a mother figure, someone that you look to as a kind of mother in your life. And yes, I would love to hear all of that advice. Please get in touch with me on Instagram. My handle is at Miss Lisa Camps. And I look forward to sharing all of that amazing wisdom with you next week on Mother's Day. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the episode. As you heard from the title, today I will be discussing meal planning. Meal planning made easy. Now, the funny thing is with meal planning is it's very normal to me. I I know no other way of managing a household's meals because my mum was a very fastidious meal planner. So that's just the way I've grown up and I can't conceive of another way. However, I know that meal planning isn't something that is as second nature to everyone. And in fact, I saw a meme the other day that said, Nobody tells you that being an adult is just trying to work out what to have for dinner every single day until you die. And I was like, I can't relate. I cannot relate. Hashtag unrelatable. Because because like I said, I was very fortunate to grow up in a household where meal planning was completely the norm. I just know no other way. So I had I did some primary research. I chatted to people um, to ask, you know, Like I spoke to Dave, for example, because I know that when he was single or when he's been in a relationships where um, he's done the lion's share of the cooking, he hasn't been a meal planner. So I kind of asked him, like, what what do you what would you do if I said to you now, I no longer want to cook ever again. It's all on you from now on. What would you do? How would you go about kind of deciding what to make every night? And how would you go about preparing for that? 
And he said, hmm, I guess I'd probably on the way home most nights from work, go into the grocery store and just grab some random stuff and put it together. Like, you know, some meat, some veg, some carbohydrate of some kind, make it and put it together. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And if it works for you, more power to you. However, for me, I do feel that there are some real benefits to meal planning that you can benefit from with just a little bit of careful preparation. And it really doesn't have to be hard or complicated or rigid or boring. You know, I think a lot of people think of of meal planning as this like rigid timetable and there's no spontaneity. And it doesn't have to be the case at all. You can really make meal planning work for you and to reap all the benefits from it. And the benefits are, you know, it saves money is number one, not just because you tend to eat out less. Um, a couple of the people I spoke to, uh, you know, who don't meal plan, and I asked kind of, how do, you, how do you make that work? They said that quite a few nights of the week, because they haven't prepped in advance, they'll just think, oh, I can't be bothered, and just grab some takeout on the way home. And so, you know, not only are you saving money there with meal planning, but also... I don't know about you, but kind of every time I go to <laughs> I go to the grocery store, you know, something ends up falling in the basket that, you know, probably doesn't need to be in there, you know, a magazine or a little treat or something like that. So, I feel like <laughs> limiting your trips to the supermarket probably then limits, you know, how many of those little impulse buys you're making. And another great benefit is you, of course, waste less because you're more mindful about the ingredients you're buying and how you're going to make that work across multiple meals. So, for example, if you're cooking something one week that you know needs to use half an onion, say, you could make sure that you've got another recipe that you can use half an onion in that week. So it's a really efficient way of cooking and of managing your meals. Another great benefit, of course, of meal planning is that when you're thinking in advance, you get to be a little bit more intentional about what you're cooking and what you're eating. And that might mean you're eating a little bit healthier, because I do think if you're sitting down at the, you know, at one point in a week and planning out what you're going to have for the next seven days, you're probably more likely to make some kind of health conscious decisions than if you're just in the supermarket hungry after a long day at work and you just reach for, you know, something that perhaps doesn't have quite the same nutritional value as something you might have planned on eating. And of course, if you're sitting there planning out the week as a whole, you can also be mindful of things that you might want to incorporate into your week of meals. Things like a meat-free Monday, for example. And for me, I just find that meal planning eliminates a lot of stress around planning meals for the household. Because, you know, I'm not having to think on my feet every evening after work in a grocery store, stressing over, oh, do wait, do I have this at home or should I get more of this? And will this go with this? Like, I know what I'm going to be making. I just sit down once a week. I spend 20 minutes preparing, writing up a shopping list. I go to the grocery store once a week and that's done. Bish, bash, bosh. Don't have to think about it again. Which is why, you know, I said I can't relate to that meme that was kind of saying about how stressful and agonizing it is to be thinking about what to cook every night. That's not something I have to deal with because just once a week I put 20 minutes in and then my meal planning is sorted. So with all that being said about the benefits of meal planning, let's talk about some tips for doing it well. So I would say number one, choose one day per week when you are going to go to the grocery store. For me, that is Thursdays after work, just because I get paid on Thursdays. So that's kind of when I like start my 
budget cycle. So if I go grocery shopping at the start of my budget cycle, I then know how much money I have to play with for the rest of the week. And then the day before you go grocery shopping, plan out what you are going to make for the next seven days. And a key part of this is really being mindful of your schedule for that week as well. Not just, hmm, I fancy this on Tuesday, I fancy this on Wednesday. Get your diary out and have a look. Okay, I'm actually gonna be late home from work that day, so I'm gonna make sure that the night before I cook something that has leftovers so that it's really quick when I come home on that day to just reheat what we had the night before. And for example, you can also look up, you know, are there any special holidays in the next coming week that I want to observe with food? So for example, Cinco de Mayo is coming up. So do you wanna make some Mexican food that night just for something a bit fun and different? So looking at your schedule as you plan the week's meals is a really good opportunity for making sure that your meal planning is gonna work really well for you. And another tip I have for writing up that uh, plan of meals for the coming seven days is to keep a physical list of meals in your, what I call repertoire. I refer to it as my repertoire of recipes. So if you make something, you try out a new recipe, you really like it and you think, yep, I wanna make this again, literally add it to a list. Don't just rely on yourself to remember it. It's so much easier when on Wednesday evenings, when I write my meal plan for the next seven days, I just put up my list in the notes on my phone and just be like, oh yeah, we haven't had that in a while. Okay, we'll have that. Oh, when I fancy that, job done. Instead of having to think, okay, like, what is it? What do I make again? Oh, we had that thing, maybe that. It just makes it so much easier if you can see a list of the meals in your repertoire that you can call on and you know you can make and you enjoy. And if you're still kind of in the process of forming that kind of repertoire, one thing I would really advise is to have some kind of dump and go slow cooker recipes up your sleeve for those days when you know that you're, it's gonna be a really busy evening so you just need something that you can come home and it's gonna be sitting ready for you in a slow cooker. So my favorite one, so simple, is pulled pork. So you just take a pork tenderloin, pop it in the slow cooker, cover it in a bottle of Dr. Pepper, lid on, six hours on low, see you later. You can do that in the morning, it takes, what, three minutes, and then you're out the door to work, you come back, you've got pork, all you need to do is shred it up, and you've got pork pork sandwiches. Now, of course, you can add some seasoning to the pork, rub some seasoning into it, and I do sometimes, but also it's absolutely delicious if you just make it really simply in the morning before work, job done. Another really good thing to think about when you're planning your meals for the week is what you can really easily kind of double up or batch cook. So for me, I love cooking. I, I really love cooking. I'm happy to be the one in our relationship that does the lion's share of the cooking. But at the same time, I don't just wanna cook for cooking's sake. Like if I can be efficient about it with my time, then absolutely I will. So whenever I can, I aim to make a meal I'm cooking go for two nights. So we'll have it one night, then we'll reheat it and have it the next night. Now for some people, I know you probably don't like the idea of having the same thing two nights in a row, which is absolutely fine. You can pop it in a Tupperware and put it in the freezer and then you've got another meal in the freezer. But for me, it just makes me feel good to use my time efficiently in that way because it's just the same amount of effort to make four portions of bolognese sauce than it is to make two. So why wouldn't I make four? And on the topic of having the same thing two nights in a row, 
when I was kind of doing some research on this, looking into other people's tips in case, you know, I found something useful to add and something I could learn myself. One idea I saw on a homemaking subreddit was someone had said that there's no need to have a huge kind of bank of recipes, a huge repertoire, if you will. You just need nine, they said, nine meals that you cook really well and that you really enjoy, and then you just kind of rotate through these nine meals. <sighs> and I don't, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that for me personally. Um, a lot of people were commenting on it saying like, great idea, I do this, I just have 10 meals, and then we just rotate through those. And I mean, I can definitely see benefits to it. Like you'd have so much less clutter in your pantry if you just need the ingredients on hand for, you know, 10 recipes. You don't need all these herbs and spices that you just use every once in a blue moon for this thing that you make. But I don't know. I don't know if I could, if I could have this, you know, repeat the same dinner menu every two weeks. For me, dinner is such a lovely and exciting part of the day. And I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just me. What do you think? Personally, after I read that, I did count how many meals are in my repertoire, and there is 25, which means that meals probably repeat about once a month, which is what I aim for. I aim to not kind of repeat the same meal in the same month, just for that bit of variety. And 25 meals seems to do that absolutely adequately. So, you know, I'm not hunting for new recipes, but if I see some, I definitely give them a try. But I, I feel like 25 is quite a nice number of meals to have up your sleeve. And it might sound like a lot, but actually I'm sure if you count up the meals you make, I'm sure you could easily get to that number, you know. Once you've got all your staples, you know, your bolognese, your stew, all that sort of stuff, it's, it's, it's not a crazy number to get to. And on the subject of variety, another thing I like to try and do is to not repeat the same protein in the same week. So I wouldn't plan to make chicken all week or, you know, have beef uh, four nights in one week. You know, I try and mix it up to have, you know, a chicken meal, a pork meal and keep some variety that way. Now, just to quickly circle back to the idea of batch cooking, don't forget that this applies for baking too. So many things that you can bake freeze beautifully so you know the next time you're making a banana bread if you've got a you know a whole bunch of bananas or a load of bananas waiting in the freezer that went brown a while ago why not double the recipe and then make two and then pop one in the freezer and cookies freeze really really well as well things like shortbread gingerbread sugar cookies the only thing i would say is if it's a cookie you were going to ice i wouldn't ice it before you freeze it i would freeze it and then let it defrost and then ice it. But other than that, cookies freeze really well. And the best part about having cookies in your freezer, if you make a double batch of cookies, is that if someone pops round or you have a guest coming over, you can be that person that can just rustle up, <laughs> rustle up a homemade cookie because they don't take long to defrost once you take them out of the freezer. And then there you go. You've got a ready supply of cookies on hand. It also just makes me feel better as well because, you know, if I'm making cookies for me and Dave, obviously it is just me and Dave. So, you know, we don't necessarily need a batch of 12 cookies sitting around because I'm absolutely certain we would be able to eat them all in a couple of days. So it makes me feel better to know, okay, we'll have half now, put the rest in the freezer and, you know, a month or two down the line, we'll get those out and we'll enjoy them again. 
Now, one more hot tip to share with meal planning is I would say that there are certain things that should always be kept in stock. So for example, you know, your stock cubes, your herbs and spices, your oils, things like that. I would say, you know, if you use the last of some paprika in a meal, don't wait until the next meal you're making when you're having paprika to put that on your shopping list. Just pop that straight down on your shopping list, get that the next week, because that's the kind of thing that is just really useful to make sure they're on hand all the time. But you can so easily forget them as part of a recipe because, you know, three weeks down the line when you're looking at a recipe, okay, what do I need to get from the store? You forgot that you ran out of paprika. So it's just nice to have those things kind of like reliable, you know you've always got things like that, your seasonings in stock. Now, fun sidebar about seasonings. I didn't realize before I moved to North America that the UK had a reputation for having bad and very bland food. Now, of course, I haven't grown up on it. I love British food. I love stodgy, heavy, all those things. I love pies. I love mash. (laughs) I love stews. Like I, you know, for me, meat and pastry, I'm there. And yeah, I just didn't realize that we had this reputation. But one thing I realized a little while ago is that I don't think I ever once, when I cooked in the UK, ran out of like a little jar of herbs and spices. And this occurred to me the other day, well, a little while back when I ran out of something, I ran out of, I don't know, dried oregano or something like that. And And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't think I've ever run out of one of these before. Because in the UK, you use such little seasoning in food. I mean, obviously you use salt and pepper, but like, if you're using, you know, dried herbs, you use like a pinch. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I did move around a lot when I lived in the UK. So, you know, I feel like that's the kind of thing that might go missing when you move. So maybe that has an effect on it. But I just thought to myself, like, yeah, I don't think I ever had to replace one of these in the UK. And now, you know, I'm always having to stop stock up on more paprika, more cayenne pepper, more Italian seasoning. So I just thought that was a fun story about the food differences across the pond. So lastly, now that you've got that list of meals in your head that you know you want to make over the next seven days, the next thing to do is make a shopping list. And that's not a revolutionary idea, but it's so important. You think you're going to remember everything you need, but believe me, once you're there and you're tired and people are jostling around with their trolleys, you know, you just want a list that you can, yep, okay, I need this, 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 and this. And actually one thing I do is add to my list throughout the week. I don't just wait until Wednesday evenings. So if, you know, I realize that we're running low on mayonnaise or Lysol cleaner, I'll just add it to the list as I'm going through the week. I'll tell Siri to do it, in fact. He's very helpful like that. (laughs) But then I know that I've got everything, everything has been captured, and when I go to the supermarket, I'm just gonna have to make one trip that week and I won't have forgotten anything. And then you can relax for the rest of the week knowing that the meals are taken care of, you've got everything in the house that you need to make those meals, and so all you have to do is just relax and have fun cooking and making food for yourself, for your loved ones, and making an occasion of eating that food. So I hope that's been a useful episode. 
Like I said at the start, I would absolutely love to hear from you about the wisdom and homemaking tips that your mother has passed down to you, the most useful ones that you still carry on into your adult life so that I can share those next week on Mother's Day. In the meantime, I hope you have a absolutely wonderful week. If you do try your hand at meal planning this week, good luck, you got this, and I will speak to you soon. Bye.